Hi, I'm Ray with another podcast episode. I hope you're keeping well, looking after yourselves. Lockdown's coming to an end. Hope you're enjoying the warmer weather. Thanks for all your emails. If you want to email me, it's raiserants at protonmail.com. Raiserants at protonmail.com. I'd like to hear ideas. Had a few ideas which I'm going to include in this podcast episode. So let's get down to it. This podcast episode is all about social media. Well, I say all about it, you know how I drift off, go off on tangents about completely unrelated things. But what I'm doing is I'm hanging it on the hook. (laughs) You heard that expression. You need a hook to hang it on. So the hook I'm hanging it on is social media. Now, people think this is something new. Well, it is as far as iPhones are concerned, tablets, computers, and all these other devices I've probably never heard of. (laughs) But social media started, well, I don't know, probably hundreds of years ago, but in my case, decades ago. At school, we used to write notes to each other. Uh, If you, you know, if you fancied a girl, all right, you'd leave a note in her desk, you'd leave a letter in her desk, you'd write love letters. Do you remember love letters? Good grief, that's going back a bit. And you'd write on the envelope, S-W-A-L-K or something similar. Swalk. That meant sealed with a loving kiss. In fact, there are, I've got a list of these that Jack sent in. Hello, Jack. Jack started this swalk business. Uh, well, he reminded me of it anyway from when he was at school. Do you know, I, I wrote a... I was writing a love letter once to this girl that I fancied. I don't know, what was I, 13, 14, something. And I was in the class. It was technical drawing class. I remember it well, like it was yesterday. And I'm scribbling away at this letter, uh, sort of on my desk, but hidden a bit. And I didn't realise that the teacher had walked up the the row of desks and was standing behind me. And he said, uh, you boy, because he was like that, you boy, what are you doing? And he snatched this letter from me that I'd half written. And he read it out to the class. Oh, talk about embarrassing. Of course, everyone's laughing and cheering. And what I did was, this is the thing about being bullied at school. In the playground afterwards, some of the kids were poking me, making fun of me. Oh, look, oh, he's in love and all this. I turned it all around. I said, hang on, hang on, hang on. I said, this girl, actually, I've been going out with for several weeks and... I sort of lied. I said, she is a real goer. Know what I mean? You know, well, I didn't say, know what I mean? Hey, say no more. Monty Python sketch. But I made out that they, you know, I'd gone uh, all the way with her, if I can put it that way. And I'm sort of 14. And that all changed. They were all saying, oh, what, really? Have you got any photographs? Well, I did have at home, I had a photograph of a cousin of mine that we'd been on holiday so I took this photograph into school, black and white photo. I said, there she is. And, oh, how did you get her to pose like that, one chap said. I remember it. So I turned the whole thing that where it's laughing at me and laughing at, you know, about me and trying to embarrass me. I turned the whole thing round. They thought I was a cool dude. Well, no, we didn't have cool dudes in those days. What, what was what? What were we, you were square if you were no good. You know, you're a square. I don't know why you were square. What was it if you were cool? Gee, I can't remember. <laughs> I'll remember in a minute. That photograph, and this is the point I was coming to. These days, have you heard of sexting? You know, sending t- sexy text messages and photographs and videos to each other. 
at school. I don't mean us adults. Well, <laughs> perhaps some adults do that. I mean, I certainly don't. Back in those days, it was a photograph. Now, no one took the photograph from me. It couldn't be distributed. It was only a, a girl. It was just my cousin sitting on a fence gate when we'd been on holiday. I just, I, you know, I had a Brownie 127 camera. Um, it was nothing, no special pose at all. I don't know why the chap said that. I just took a photograph into school and said, look, you know, there's my bird. And they were all impressed. I think my cousin was about two years older than me. But these days, you have a photograph on your, your phone, your iPhone, and you send that to someone. And before you know it, the whole class has got it, and then the whole school, and then the whole world. So what I'm saying is that, yeah, we had social media in a way, photographs, love letters we'd send to each other, and uh, it was all great fun, but it was confined. It was very, very localised. I mean, the photograph was shown around, what, half a dozen lads in the playground, and then it came back to me, went into my pocket, and that was the end of that. No one had a copy of the photograph. Uh, you couldn't copy it. Well, I think you could take it to the the chemist and they'd send it off to the, you know, the developer place and they'd make a copy. Um, but you had to add the negative. You know, it was just totally different back in those days. So there was this social media thing of sorts. I mean, obviously nothing like now. Another way was we'd all meet up after school in the local park. Or as I've said in the past, we'd go over the woods. There's always <laughs> kids everywhere, you know, in the park, on the swings, over the woods. Um, and as we got older, I mean, I left school at 14, but as we got older, we'd be in the park having a cigarette, you know, a woodbine or a park drive. And there'd be girls around of our age, 14. And you know, we'd meet girls, we'd chat, we knew girls from school. It was social media. Well, not media, no, it was social happenings, social things, but just totally different from the way it is now. But very much the same, if you see what I mean. Does that make sense? It doesn't really, does it? Now, not everyone in the 50s, I mean, I'm talking about the early 60s here, not everyone had a, a telephone at home. Obviously, no mobile phones. Didn't all have a landline phone at home, but quite a few of us did. And we were all in the telephone directory. There was, you could go ex-directory, as they called it. They still do these days. Is there a phone book these days? Uh, yeah, actually, we have one through the door. About a year or two ago, a phone book. It's ever so thin, there's hardly anyone in it. I think these days people don't use landlines, do they? They use mobile phones. And those that have got landlines are ex-directory anyway. But the point I was going to make is, if a girl fancied you or you fancied a girl, you could look her up in the phone book. If you knew the road she lived in, just look up Smith, uh, you know, Bloggs Road, and there she was, or her parents, her dad's name or whatever. And you could phone and say, hi, is Sally there? <laughs> if it's a father, you know, well, who's that? What do you want? <laughs> or they'd say, yes, hang on a minute. And then Sally would say, hello. Hello, it's Miss Ray. Who's Ray? Well, from school, you know, it's me. We met in the park. Oh, yeah. Well, what do you want? Do you want to go out with me? No. <laughs> I suppose there wasn't the pestering that there is now, you know, where you get a boy like on Facebook or Instagram or wherever going on and on to some girl, you know, come out with me, meet me in the park and I want to do this to you. I want to do that to you. It wasn't like that. You know, if a girl said no, if you said for example, do you meet me over the woods after school? And she said, oh, I don't clear off. That was the end of that, basically. You might ask again the next day, but basically 
no meant no. You've probably heard of so-called revenge porn, where a couple, they're going out together, and you know he might take a couple of photos of her, or the other way around, a couple of rather naughty photos. Um, then they split up, and he says, right, I shall show everyone. I'm going to show all your friends. I'm going to put all the photos that I've got of you, all the ones of you, of you naked. I'm going to put them on, on the internet. And that's called revenge porn. It's all rather stupid, but uh, there we are. Now, I do remember a chap at school. He His brother was into developing photos. I'd, I'd forgotten about this, actually. It just came to mind. One of the girls at school had had some rather, I mean, say naughty. In those days, it was hardly naughty, but you know, one or two sort of dodgy photos taken of her. And her, this kid's brother, he you know, developed them. You couldn't take them to the, the shop to have it done, obviously. And he did make a few copies and they did go around the school. It was nothing. Um, you know, she wasn't even naked. It was it was nothing, just you know, lifting her skirt up and stuff like that. But of course, in those days, that was, uh, oh, wow, look at that. You know? <laughs> in those days, that was pornography. <laughs> so even that, which I've just remembered, Going back, I mean, that's the early 60s when that happened. So, as I've said before, this is nothing new. You know, all this uh, sexting and whatever they call it, it's nothing new. The same as some of these scams. I remember back in the 60s uh, at my parents' place, I answered the door once and there's this chap there, you know, he looks smart. And he said, oh, well, I'm a, an antiques dealer and you know, I'm just in the area valuing furniture for people you know I don't want to buy anything I'm just coming around valuing things you never know you might have something worth a lot of money and uh, my mother came up behind me and she said well she'd overheard this she said well there's nothing of value here (laughs) and off he went but we heard later from a neighbor that the police had been after him what he was doing going around uh, houses. You find an old lady living on her own, perhaps her husband's gone, or or a husband, you know, chap living on his own, a widower, widow, whatever. And the antique chap would go in and he'd eye a piece of furniture and he'd obviously think, oh, look at that. Now that's worth a few quid. So he'd say, well, I could tell you what, I can offer you £10 for that. Oh, really? Oh, OK. Oh, that's rather nice. I'm a bit short of money. And it's perhaps worth 50 or, or whatever. You know, you, you see the scam I'm talking about. So that sort of thing went on quite a lot back in those days. There were various scams like that. The only difference then, it was people knocking on the door rather than phoning you. I mean, these days they phone, don't they? Um, but no, we also get people knocking on the door. As I've said before, I think, uh, you know, you, you need your roof doing. Oh, it's all right. It's, I just say it's rented. House is rented. Oh, OK. Off they go. That's the best way to get out of it. As I said in uh, one of my episodes a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah, we can do your drive for you. How about if we do your fencing for you? We're in the area at the moment and we can do it cheap. No, sorry, the place is rented. The landlord won't pay out a penny to have anything done. Off they go. They're not interested then if they think you're renting the place. But back then, I do remember hearing about people saying you need your roof done, you knock on the door and you find an old lady, your roof's in a bad way, you know, we can sort that out. Is it leaking in the loft? Of course, she'd say, well, I don't know, I don't go in the loft. You know, perhaps a lady of 80-odd, she doesn't go up into the loft. And they go up in the loft and they lie. Oh, have you you haven't seen up there, have you? It's all wet. The rain's been coming. You know, that rain we had last week 
Well, your loft up there is soaked. You've got to have that roof done. And of course, there's nothing wrong with the roof. They go up there, they bang around and, you know, put ladders up and bang around the place and then say, there you are, that won't leak again. That's uh, £150. And of course, these people would pay it. And this is going back to the 50s, to the 60s. Well, it wasn't that much then, 150, but, you know, like 30 quid. And it was easy money for these people. Another scam I remember well was, uh, you know, the football pools. Do you remember that? The older people listening will remember the football pools. A chap would knock at the door and he'd collect the pools money each week. He'd, uh, he'd collect your coupon or whatever he did and the pools money and he'd send it all in. Uh, you know, it saved people doing it. I can't remember exactly how it worked, but he'd go around knocking on all the doors, collecting your football pools money and doing the business. What one or two of them did uh, they collected all the pools money and they didn't put the coupons in. So, I mean, most people didn't win the football pools anyway. Week in, week out, they'd spend their shilling, their one and sixpence or whatever it was, and they didn't win. So this chap was just pocketing all the money he collected every week, probably doing very well out of it if he had a good round. You know, if he had sort of 100 or 200 people on his books and he wasn't putting the money in. Well, one or two of them obviously got caught when someone did win the pools. And they'd say, hang on, that's it, that's it, I've won. Look, I've got the, the numbers or whatever it was. And they get on to the pools people. I've won, I've won. And say, well, you haven't, you, haven't, you haven't put your coupon in. We haven't had your money. Of course, <laughs> that's when it all came to light. But that scam was, well, I was going to say it was quite popular. It wasn't popular, it's the wrong word. But it certainly wasn't unheard of. Other things like insurance money, you know, you have the, the man knock on the door for the insurance money. There were a lot of people that used to knock on the door. Was it the man from the Prue, the Prudential? He'd knock on the door and collect insurance money. I mean, they were good. People like that were good. But there were so many scams around with people knocking on the door. Oh, hello, I've come for the so-and-so money and sign up for this and sign up for that. There was one form of selling because a lot of selling was done on door knocking. And there was a form of selling called switch selling. So you'd, you'd take a washing machine. You know, someone was interested, you'd have a lead. And you'd go to the address and you'd say, right, you're interested in the washing machine. We bought it along, got it in the van. We can show you it working. And this happened with, uh, do you remember Rolls washing machines? There were two, basically. There was, was it the Rolls Rapide um, twin tub washing machine? So you'd take this washing machine in the basic model and you'd show them it working. You'd do a bit of their washing for them. You know, you spend some time there and it had a spin dryer on it. And then when they're interested, you know, the old man would come through and he'd say, well, what's all this? She'd say, oh, look, I like this, dear. I really would like this washing machine. And what you would do, he's interested. He'd say, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. I think, uh, think we might go for that. Then you say, of course, Mrs. So-and-so down the road, she bought the, the next model up from this one, which is far superior. And that did it. So, oh, Mrs. Did she? She bought the more expensive one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, how much more is it? And you'd say, well, it's another 10 quid, but it does this and it does that. And that was switch selling. They bought it, not so much because it was a better machine, but Mrs. So and so down the road, she bought the better model, the more expensive model. Oh, we're going to keep up with her. I'm not having her having the better one, the dearer one. One little trick, which was rather nasty, actually. You, you know, you'd be talking about the more expensive model and you'd look around. You'd look around their, their kitchen and you'd say, 
Oh, of course, I, I don't suppose you could afford the better model, like Mrs. So-and-so. She can afford it. Of course, that got them. Can't afford it? What, what do you mean we can't afford it? What are you talking about? Of course we can afford it. And that, that very often would clinch the sale. And that was switch selling. And that would work with a lot of things. Uh, I, I won't go into them all, but, you know, vacuum cleaners you're selling at the door, all sorts of products. Soon as they're interested, oh, yeah, I think I'll have that. And, oh, yeah, that was the other thing. With the switch selling, you'd say, uh, as it happens, I've got one on the van, one of the better models on the van. You're really lucky. I've got the last one. They're not even any at the warehouse. They're out of stock. Of course, that was all more rubbish. It was total rubbish. Do you know, we had a chap here about double glazing years ago. He said, oh, we don't use all this foam stuff around the windows. And he said, we use proper jacks and all this stuff. It was all lies. All of it was lies. I won't mention the company, but never go to them again, ever. The chaps that did the actual fitting, they used foam all around the windows. They didn't use jacks at all. This chap, he was a real salesman. He said, oh, do you know what? He said, the number of your house, you won't believe this. He said, that's my lucky number. And I thought, what? When he was here, do it going through all the business. He said, it really is my lucky number. He said, now there's a coincidence. We didn't want the small window done in the little box room. He said, oh, it'll be another whatever it was. So say 200 to do that. And I said, no, I'm not bothered about that one. And he said, oh, fair enough. Of course, that night he rang, he phoned back. He said, that little window, he said, I've just had a, a result. You won't believe this. Of course, I didn't. <laughs> I said, you won't believe this, but we've got that very size in stock. We made up for someone. Order got cancelled. I can do it for 100. <laughs> I mean, you know, the whole thing was a fiddle. They, it was just all lies. All of it was lies. Um, we did, actually. I was a fool. We went with that company in the end. And I wish I hadn't. You know, there are all sorts of things, or bodges that they did, bodges everywhere. I had to put it all right. They had sealed certain bits. You know, there's me doing all the sealing and stuff and bits of cementing outside. I had to do all the, the making good. Going back to selling on, on the knocker, as they called it, selling on the knocker, the door knocker, you would sign them up with an HP agreement, a higher purchase agreement. So if someone, you know, they really couldn't afford the washing machine, they'd think, well, look, I like it, but I just can't afford it. Or the vacuum cleaner or whatever you're selling. You'd say, well, look, how about easy payments? You know, one and sixpence a week <laughs> for the next 10 years. You didn't tell them that bit. And so, oh, oh, one and six a week. That's not, yeah, we can do that. That's not bad. So you'd sign them up with a higher purchase agreement and they'd buy it on the never-never, as they called it, on the never-never. So there we are, scams back in the old days, scams these days, all the same, still have people around, oh, we'll do your roof for you, just as we did back then. It's just done in a different way, a lot of the the, the phone calls now, I mean, you didn't get phone calls like that. Imagine back, <laughs> imagine back in the 50s, some chap phoning and saying, hi, you having a good day? <laughs> hi, how's your day been? What? What was that? I mean, it wouldn't have been allowed. The, the GPO back then, the general post office, calls like that, they'd have been busted. They'd have said, you can't phone people, do it you know, on the phone, selling like that, trying to make people buy stuff. Of course, a lot of selling as well as part from on the, on the knocker was done through adverts, newspaper adverts, Exchange and Mart. Remember that, the Exchange and Mart? A hugely popular 
Uh, it was in a newspaper form, but loads of pages of adverts. Hugely popular and successful. Now, a lot of the adverts, I'm not saying in the exchange at Mark, but a lot of adverts were selling rubbish. And again, it was a con. One that I remember particularly, because I've always been into radio and electronics, there was this advert selling a, an aerial for your radio. You plug this aerial in the back of your old, you know, your old 1940s valve radio. You plug this aerial in the back. There's a bit of wire about a foot long, the little plug on one end to go into the radio, and on the other end was like a, a cylinder, just a small cylindrical sort of bakelite housing thing. And the advert would say, pull in stations from around the world, short wave, long wave, medium wave, tune your radio into Australia and South America and all this rubbish in the advert. Uh, you know, limited quantity, limited stocks, only 17 and sixpence halfpenny. <laughs> and three farthings. <laughs> I don't know why I always add and three farthings. And of course, people would buy this thing and it didn't work. I mean, you know, it acted as a sort of small aerial, a very poor aerial, but basically it didn't work. And people didn't send stuff back in those days. It was a P.O. box number. You'd sent a, a postal order to this P.O. box number. There was no address. You'd have to write to the P.O. box number and say, look, this is rubbish. They would ignore you. It was all just a big con, basically. Some friends of mine in the workshop, in the TV workshop, we got hold of one of these and we took this cylindrical bit apart we broke it open and there was a capacitor in there you know, like a, an old-fashioned word it's a condenser which does nothing it's not an aerial at all there was just a capacitor in this box i don't know why they'd even bothered to put the capacitor in the box or the cylindrical thing you know, why bother <laughs> perhaps perhaps they thought that if anyone did look inside they'd think that was some magical component or something i don't know but uh, what a rip-off. And there were so many rip-offs like that. And of course, there still are today. We've got quite a few young, younger listeners to my podcast, which is great. And over the last, well, how long have I been doing this? A couple of years or more. I've noticed a lot of them, a lot of the emails from the youngsters. When I say youngster, I mean like 20s, perhaps teens, 20s in particular, they're saying, well, how did you meet people in your day? What was it like? What was your social life? You know, did you just have the pub? Was that it? I suppose, yes, basically we did. The pub was a meeting. I mean, it was a public house originally. That's what it was all about, isn't it? A public house where the public meet. That's what pubs were all about. So, yeah, we did. We all went to the pub and... If I was out looking for a girlfriend, because a lot of people have said, well, how did you get girlfriends without iPhones and social media? Or how did you get girlfriends if you can't meet people online? Because you had no online. Well, you'd meet them in the pub. You'd meet them physically, which is, uh, <laughs> which to these days, to a lot of the youngsters, is just something unheard of. You're physically, what, you actually go up to a stranger and start talking to them? <laughs> how on earth does that work? How do you do that? But that's the way it was. Uh, you know, you'd have your chat-up lines. Do you remember the older people listening? Come on, you lot. Do you remember the chat-up lines? What's a nice girl like you doing in a dreadful place like this? And all this nonsense. <laughs> My chat-up line. I can't dance. I never could. I'd be at a disco, a nightclub or wherever. And the guys would say to the girl, do you want to dance? Oh, yeah, OK, or no. I couldn't ask girls to dance because I was hopeless. I'd be sort of, you know, you hear of people making shapes. 
Well, I've been making all sorts of dreadful shapes on the dance floor. I did try a couple of times, and if I had got a girl to dance with me, they walk off. They walk off the floor, probably thinking, I don't want to be seen with him. Look at him. Good grief. <laughs> so I used to say, would you like a drink? And that worked. The trouble is, a lot of the girls, well, not a lot. I can't be rude to the girls. But some of them would say, oh, yeah, thanks. And I'd buy them a drink, and that would be it. And they, <laughs> once they got their drink from me, they weren't interested. But, uh, but no, that was my chat-up line, like, you know, hi, how are you doing? Would you like a drink? And that, that worked. You could have a chat. And of uh, course, then what you would do, you didn't have your phone. What you would do is say, do you want to go out tomorrow night or, you know, next Friday or whenever? I'll pick you up. And if you were lucky, they'd give you their address. Or perhaps you'd get a girl's phone number. Uh, that was always good. You know, if a girl gave you her phone number, you knew that you were really in with a chance. So, yeah, they were they were happy days. But, you know, we did meet people. We did meet up with people. I remember, I don't know what put me onto this. I've just remembered this. I'd been going out with this girl for quite some time. And we were at one of these sort of lover's lane places, you know, in the back of my car. I won't go into detail. <laughs> I won't go any further than that. And a, a car pulled up. I saw the headlights. A car pulled up behind mine. And I didn't take any notice because there were several cars around with people all doing things. And suddenly the back door of my car was flung open. I looked round and it's this chap I knew. And he looked at me, he looked at my girlfriend, he were on the back seat <laughs> in a compromising position. And he said, oh, sorry, Ray, closed the back door, got back into his car and drove off. And she'd say, who's that? What's that all about? I said, I don't know, I've no idea. So a couple of days later, I said to him, uh, I said, hey, what, what's all that about the other night? What the hell are you doing? What's going on? He said, oh, I was, I was looking for someone. I said, what do you mean looking for someone? Looking for someone in the back of my car? Who do you expect to find in the back of my car? And he said, well, to be honest, my wife. I said, what, what with me? Your wife with me? I said, you're joking. And he said, no, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be rude. He said, you know what she's like? And I did know what she was like, actually. She uh, played away. Uh, let's put it that way. She used to play away. I, I said, what, you thought your wife was in the back of my car with me? I said, you're joking. That I wouldn't do that. And he said, oh, I'm sorry. I, I was in a bit of a state. So I just let it go. It wasn't long after that that uh, he got divorced. So that was a shame. I was going out with this girl that uh, lived a, a few doors away down the road. And uh, yeah, I only started going out with her a couple of weeks previously. And this woman, one of the neighbours, she said to me, oh, oh, my son was after her. And I said, oh, was he? Oh, yeah, he's been wanting to ask her out for months. Uh, you know, now you've come along and taken her. I said, why didn't he ask her out? Oh, well, he's shy. He's been building up to it. Why don't you leave her to him so he can go out with her and you can go out with my daughter? She's a big girl like her mum. And uh, without being rude, she was a big girl. She was huge. I said, what, you want me to give up my girlfriend so your son can go out with her? And I go out with your daughter. And she said, yes. Yeah, why don't you do that? <laughs> I wasn't rude or anything, but I just said, uh, uh, no, no thanks. <laughs> I was talking to a friend of mine recently and he said he's got a couple of teenage girls at school. And he said the, the bickering at school that goes on, she's not speaking to him and one will come home and, oh, 
this one caused trouble in the class and I got the blame for it and it wasn't me at all. Do you know, I've heard this again and again these days. Perhaps it was the same in my day. Was it in the 50s and 60s? I don't remember all this going on. I remember bullies at school and things, but it seems to be, I'm not being sexist, but it seems to be girls that they get into little groups and they all ignore one. And, you know, this this poor one girl that's been ousted is in tears and then all of a sudden she's back in in sort of the group again and, and they've picked on someone else that they're bullying and ignoring. What is it with these sort of young teenage girls? What's the matter with them? I don't know, I just don't understand all this. I've just remembered that because I was just thinking about school and social media and bullying. Do you know another thing... <laughs> I'm only going on about girls because so many people have said, how many girlfriends did you have in your teens and early 20s? I didn't have hundreds. As, as some, Who was it? It was um, Ken. Ken emailed me. He said, did you have hundreds of girlfriends? No, of course I didn't. <laughs> I wish I had. No, I don't. Good grief. Last thing you need. But one thing that was odd, um, who was someone else said, how, how did you go about getting girlfriends? Well, I've said you'd go up and ask someone else. But in the main, the way I got girlfriends, I don't know what happened. It was weird because I'd, I'd meet a girl, go out with her for a week or two, and then we'd bump into perhaps one of her friends or a group of her friends would be in a pub and we'd go and join them. And I always ended up going out with my girlfriend's friend. I don't quite know how it worked out. There was one. Do you know what? <laughs> I remember one girl, Jennifer, her name. I won't mention her other name in case she's listening. Jennifer, I went out with her only for a couple of weeks. We were back at my place one evening. It was about midnight. We'd been out. We were back in my place in the lounge. And she kept looking at the window. And I said, what do you look, who's out there? What are you looking for? She said, oh, it's all right. My boyfriend's out there. I said, what? Your, your boyfriend? I'd be going out with her for perhaps a month, actually, three or four weeks. She said, oh, yeah, my boyfriend, Trevor. <laughs> If she's listening, hello, Jennifer, you'll remember this. I said, what do you mean, your boyfriend? You're, you're with me. We've been going out together for a few weeks. And also, what's he doing outside my house, looking in the lounge window at us? She said, oh, he follows me everywhere. I thought, this is, she was weird. I thought, this is weird. Uh, totally weird. Anyway, um, that's I sort of digressed because I ended up going out with her best friend. Um, I bumped into her. You know, we, we were in a pub. And I'd met this friend of hers, ended up with her anyway. Uh, that, that was a bit of a, a long story to it. I won't go into it all. And another girl I went out with, she, what was her, Karen? No, not Karen. Oh, I can't go. Gail, that was it, Gail. I went out with this Gail and <laughs> she had, she was uh, quite a bit older than me, actually. And I thought, actually, I don't like this. What was I, 20? She was something like 28. I don't like this. And she had a sister, uh, about my age, can't, I forget the ages, I can't remember properly. And I was around this Gail's house and Gail's upstairs getting ready to go out. And I was in the lounge talking to the sister about my age and she was lovely. And I was awful. I was sometimes awful in those days. I said to the sister while Gail was upstairs getting ready, I said, do you want to go out for a drink sometime? Mind you, she was awful. She said, oh, yeah, when? And we're whispering in the lounge. I said, well, what about tomorrow? I said, I can't tonight, I'm with girl, but what about tomorrow? Yeah, she said, pick me up at seven. I said, well, I can't, 
I remember it as if it was yesterday. I said, I can't come here at seven. You know, Gail will be here. I'll be down the end of the road, seven o'clock. So I ended up with the sister. That Gail, actually, there was a bit of a, <laughs> bit of a frack out, as they say, because Gail found out and there was, apparently there was a bit of a, a physical punch up. Um, I ended up not, <laughs> not going out with either of them. So, uh, yeah, that was all good fun. But it was all good fun in those days. Yeah, I think it's good fun looking back. You know, not, not at two sisters having a physical fight, but uh, all the various things that happened, you know, ending up with your girlfriend's best friend or <laughs> your girlfriend's sister, but not, as my friend thought, not your friend's wife. I never did anything like that. That is just a definite no-no. I was feeling a bit peckish, so I've just had a packet of crisps. Cheese and onion, my favourite. Do you know, over the years, crisp packets have remained about the same size, but the contents have got smaller and smaller and smaller. There's barely a quarter of a potato in there. I was trying to put the crisps together to form a potato. Not very easy, obviously, especially as I was eating at the eating them at the same time. But, you know, there's barely a quarter of a a small potato in there. And yet the price keeps going up. I mean, what's going on? Do you remember in the old days, Mars bars? I am sure they were a lot bigger than they are now. When we went over to decimalisation of the money, was that 71? I believe it was 1971. Everything went up in price. And Mars bars weren't left alone. They went up in price. And they over the years, have got a little bit smaller and a little bit smaller, probably so people won't notice. But with the crisps, they've kept the packet the same size. When I picked the packet up, I thought it was empty. It it looked flat. It wasn't bulging with crisps like they used to. So they've kept the packet the same size and reduced the contents. And the price, I mean, in some of these places, you pay more than a pound for a packet of crisps. And it's not even a quarter of a potato. I mean, that, that's a rip-off. Is that not a rip-off? Talking of being ripped off, I've just checked our tomato seeds. I bought a packet of 100 tomato seeds, economy. And I thought, that's good, 100 seeds. I didn't want 100, but they were cheaper than a packet of seeds where there's only 20 in the pack. So I thought, hang on a minute, 20 costs more than 100. So I went for the 100, not that I wanted 100, and they're called economy seeds. Now, my thinking was that a tomato plant seed is a tomato plant seed. Uh, surely, you know, it's Alicante is the make, the, not the make, the breed. No, it's not a breed. What is it? Oh, what's the word? Well, you know, they're Alicante. And they've grown. They've come up. They've taken a long time to come up. They're not in the cold. They've been in a propagator. They've come up. They do not look healthy. I had three seeds left over from last year from a decent, well-known uh, manufacturer. Well, they're not manufactured, are they? You know, and well-known seed supplier, put it that way. Those three are really strong, healthy plants. They're doing really well. My poor little economy seeds, they don't look much bigger than a matchstick. So what is the difference between economy seeds and whatever else, proper seeds, I don't know. I wonder about things in supermarkets, you know. You see a a basic version, which is half the price of a a proper version. Well, how can you have a cheaper carrot 
you, you get carrots. These are, are good carrots. They're nice. There they are. They're a, they're a pound for whatever. Then you've got economy par carrots. Parrots? <laughs> economy parrots. I don't know eat parrots. So you, you've got economy carrots. And they're not a pound, but for the same weight, they're like 60 pence. What is economy about them? I mean, they haven't been made with inferior ingredients because they're a carrot. They grow. What is economy? How can a, a carrot be economy? I know you get these misshapen ones. Or oh, we get a box of veg every fortnight now, delivered at night. And uh, they're misshapen and weird. I think, did I mention this before? Probably. I'm always repeating myself. And they're really good. I don't care what shape a carrot is. I don't care what, what shape a cucumber is. It can be straight, twisted, bent, do what you like with it. Uh, it's all the same to me. So, yeah, it's strange, this economy stuff. I've often wondered. I mean, something like economy, I don't know, butter or jam. Well, in cheap jam, as a friend of mine said recently, I was talking about jam sandwiches. I like jam sandwiches in bed with a cup of tea at night watching the telly. <laughs> Isn't that awful? No wonder I'm not losing weight. And this friend of mine, oh, that's what it was. Uh, my daughter got me a pot of jam for my birthday. And it's expensive jam. And this friend of mine said, now that's the sort of jam where you can taste the fruit and not just the sugar. Because the cheaper ones, all you can taste is sugar. Right, that's that. that was a lengthy tale, wasn't it? I don't know why I'm talking about jam. I'm supposed to be talking about social media. Do you know, the internet, social media, is really, really good. Uh, my mother-in-law, who lives on her own, I gave her uh, my old iPad a few, well, a couple of years ago, and we set her up with WhatsApp, and all the family are on there, and she can see photos of the grandchildren, her grandchildren, and what we're all doing every morning. We'll say, good morning, hello, how are you doing? And she feels... You know, now she's living alone. Her husband passed away last year. She's really got into the, the WhatsApp business and she looks on Facebook and people put up pictures on there so she can see. And it's really good. It's a fantastic thing for her, especially as some of the family live. Uh, well, my, one of my daughters, for example, is what, 30? No, not 30. 25 miles away, 20 miles away. Uh, plus we've got relations. Uh, my son's in America uh, we've got uh, relations in Australia, all over the place. And on WhatsApp and Facebook, everyone's in touch. It's really nice. And it's done wonders for my mother-in-law because she can keep up to date with what's going on and what's happening. It's really good. So there are, you know, social media, when people say, oh, social media, all dreadful. It's not all dreadful. It's only parts of it. It's like the internet. I remember my mother when, oh, 20, 20 years ago, not even that long. She said, oh, the internet's dreadful. It's all pornography and horrible stuff on the internet. And I said, no, no, mum, that's that's a, a small, a very small part of it. You know, in the main, the internet is fantastic for information, anything from a recipe for making an apple pie to growing runner beans, to also everything. Whatever you want to know is on the internet. And I said, you know, what you're talking about, the nasty side of it, is a fraction of 1%. You've got to get that wherever you go, aren't you, in anything. There's going to be something about it, some minority with a bunch of people or or whatever. So, yes, the same with social media. Yes, it, it's abused. People use it for, for bullying and uh, whatever. But uh, 
I think sort of 99% of it is used for really good stuff. And I think the, the glowing example is my mother-in-law, who now you know, wouldn't want to be without it. I heard on the news this morning the, U, the UK government are thinking about holding uh, social media companies to account and making them stop the bad stuff getting through to children, for example. I initially thought they were talking about the ISPs, the Internet Service Providers, but I think they're talking about the social media people like Facebook, WhatsApp and uh, Instagram and all that lot. The thing is, how do you... It's got to be stopped, hasn't it? The bullying and the, the racist stuff, it's all got to be stopped. I would have thought your local internet service provider would be the one to stop it because everything on your computer, your tablet, whatever, unless it's a phone, comes through, say, 5G, it all comes along the internet, which comes from your ISP, your provider. So that's where it could be stopped. Because then people would say, oh, oh, that's censorship. You can't censor this thing. Oh, dear. And so it goes on. But one day something is going to have to be done because we can't have young kids, you know, because then you can say, oh, well, the parents shouldn't let them on the internet. Well, a lot of their schoolwork these days is done online. Now, I didn't know that till the other day, talking to my daughter about her kids, my grandchildren, a lot of their schoolwork is done online. They've all got these Surface Pro things, you know, the Microsoft Surface Pro. They've all got those and they're doing schoolwork online. So you can't say, well, you're not having the internet you know, until you're 18 because they couldn't do their schoolwork. So you don't want to stop the internet, but something has to be done to stop all this bad stuff getting to the kids. I don't know. I'm glad I'm not uh, in charge of it because I really wouldn't know what to do. Where'd you start? Where'd you begin? There's something else I'm glad I'm not in charge of, and that's the country. I would hate to be the Prime Minister. I don't know why people do it. Who would want to be Prime Minister or President of any country? Um, I just heard something on the radio, you know, more problems and the Prime Minister's getting headaches with this and that. Hey, I, I wouldn't bother. I'd, just, I'd, rather go and, <laughs> I'd rather go and work in a shop from nine till five selling bread rolls or something, <laughs> sandwiches. Oh, dear. But no, it's good that there are people that want to do this. I don't think they do it for the money because the money isn't that good, is it, from what I've heard? I forget what our prime minister gets. Is it 140000 or something? I, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, it's good money, but it's not amazing, is it? It's not like a couple of million quid a year, uh, as some people are on. But, uh, you know, what a job. You, you've got to put your whole life into it. I just don't know. I, I couldn't do that. I wouldn't want to do that. And also, uh, they're damned if they do, damned if they don't, aren't they? You know what? I, you know that expression? Whatever they do, it's wrong in someone's eyes. People moan. So I would hate that. Anyway, I'm not Prime Minister. <laughs> and there is absolutely zero chance of me ever becoming Prime Minister. So I don't know why I'm talking about that. That's just reminded me of something else. Talking of expressions, you know, damned if they do, damned if they don't. I heard a, I was listening to a, a talk radio type thing, you know, news radio type thing the other day, and someone phoned, I hate these phone-ins, don't you? You get someone phoning, oh, I think this, I think they should do that. I think I don't want to listen to other people's phone calls. <laughs> if I wanted to do that, I'd go out in the street and tap the phone lines, you know, and have a listen. <laughs> I'd probably hear people talking about me, oh, that bloke, that Ray from number so-and-so, he's awful. 
No, seriously, this woman phoned in and she said, there's no point in sinking the ship for a heapeth of tar. I think that's the expression, isn't it? In other words, you know, you've spent hundreds of pounds in the old days building the ship and you've, you've covered it in tar to make it all waterproof and stuff. And there's a, a little bit that wants another coat of tar. Only cost a, a heapeth, you know, a halfpenny sort of thing. But oh, no, no, we'll save money. We don't want to do that. So the whole ship sinks, all your hundreds of pounds and all your work has gone for the sake of a, a halfpenny's worth of tar. Something like that. Anyway, you know what I mean. Anyway, this chap, the woman said that, and the, the presenter chap on the radio, he said, what was that? I've never heard that. What does that mean? And he was obviously young. I've noticed this more and more. The older I get, uh, the more I realise that people on the radio chatting away, you know, DJs and the rest of it, the young ones, you can tell the young because they haven't got a clue what <laughs> what went on in the sort of 50s and 60s and old expressions and phrases and terms and things. And because um, someone else called in about about that expression. They said, you've never heard it? He said, no, I haven't. They said, it's ever so well-known. You know, it's a really well-known expression, the hapeth of tar. There we are. There we are. I wouldn't mind going on the radio, actually. I, I wouldn't mind going on the radio and having some sort of show where I could, uh, what was it um, my old grandmother used to say? I call a spade a spade. I like that. That means, if you've never heard of that, uh, that means... You say it as it is. You tell the truth, no matter whether it hurts or not. <laughs> there was something my grandfather used to say. I'll be all right. Was it? I'll be all right when my boat comes home or when my ship comes in. I think that expression comes from uh, like traders and that in the old days, their ship would be coming back from I don't know, the Caribbean or Australia or wherever they went to bring back goods and. When the ship comes in, then you can sell your goods and get your money, something like that. And he was always saying, my grandfather, you know, it'll be all right when my my ship comes in or something. I know I was young. I didn't know what he was talking about. I didn't want to know. I thought it was rubbish. How about these keyboard warriors talking of um, social media, as I'm supposed to be, and I'm not. <laughs> How about the keyboard warriors that, uh, you know, they say... Uh, call a spade a spade, they go on there. The thing is, they can hide behind the keyboard, can't they? They go on Twitter. I think this, I think that, blah, 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 blah. And they go on and on, you know, bashing people and, you know, taking the the well, the mickey out of people is probably the best way to put it. They're rude to people. And I've often wondered if they met the people face to face, would they say all that then? They wouldn't, would they? It's keyboard warriors they're known as. That's another expression that's coming. There we are. I'm not a keyboard warrior. I'd be no good on the radio anyway. I'd start, I'd get into trouble. I'd start saying what I think about the politicians and the government and the opposition and whatever. And uh, I probably wouldn't last on the radio station more than 10 minutes. I'd get taken off the air. <laughs> be good fun though. Be a good 10 minutes, wouldn't it? Isn't it strange how some people can be like, you know, call a spade a spade. They can be rude. They can literally be rude to people and get away with it. You know, you, there are some people that, I don't know what it is, they can say things, they can tell people the truth, that either well, I think you look awful dressed in that or whatever, and they get away with it. Whereas if someone else says it, it's all taken, uh, you know, they take offence. <laughs> take offence or take a gate. No, seriously, it's true, isn't it? Um, we knew a chap, the family knew a chap who haven't seen him for a while, and uh, 
was it so one of the family members said to me, oh, you can say anything to him and get away with it. So you tell him, I forget what it was about now. And I did tell him and he took it from me. Uh, I don't know why. It's, it's weird. Some people can just say what they like to others. I knew a chap. He was always swearing. I've got to be careful what I say now. He would tell people to go away, you know, in so many words and get away with it. It, it wasn't ever taken uh, as offensive. He was always swearing. It's funny. I mean, he didn't have Tourette's. You've heard of Tourette's, haven't you? He didn't have that. He was just always swearing. And that was just him. Each to their own, I suppose. Now, the thing is, are you going to email me? Raiserants at protonmail.com. Raiserants, or one word, at protonmail.com. Because I am in constant need of ideas for podcasts. You Thank you to all those that do email me regularly. I do make notes of things. You might be thinking, oh, well, I mentioned something weeks ago and he hasn't said it. Well, no, I, I can't. I mean, I get so many ideas. Some are good, some are bad. So I make a note of them all. I just write them down on bits of paper, then lose the bits of paper. No, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. No, do keep sending the ideas in because I will get snippets of, I think, oh, that's an idea. If I do this and change things a bit, Take an idea and work on it and change it a little bit. So it all helps. It's great stuff. Thank you. Okay, that's it. I think I've bored you long enough. So I shall say goodbye for now. Listen out for the next uh, midweek message next Wednesday. And then, of course, the next podcast episode next Sunday. Take care. I shall see you soon. Bye-bye for now.